Hey now, and welcome to Quantum Drive. I'm Rob. I'm Katie. And our ongoing mission is to discuss every episode of The Orville. Today we are discussing Season 2, Episode 13, called Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow, written by Janet Lynn and directed by Gary S. Rake. We have two new reviews this week. Oh my goodness. Our first one comes in from Tinka Dinka Doo. Ooh. It has been edited for length a little bit because it was a lengthy review. But it says, this podcast on the Orville's lasting impressions has made one on me. This is one of my favorite episodes. Your viewpoints on this episode resonated well with me from an emotional view, a moral compass, and a tech issue. What can, cannot the simulator do? Gordon's character development was huge in this episode, and I want more. The loneliness and longing was made so real that my heart literally ached for him. Thank you for a great podcast. Yay, thank you. I'm so glad you enjoyed that because we had a lengthy discussion about that episode. And even though we had differing opinions on it, I felt like it was one of our better discussions as a whole. Yeah, it makes me happy that lasting impressions made a lasting impression. Yeah. That's super cool. Our other review comes in from Big Jar of Pickles. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Who starts off by saying a perfect Orville companion. And goes on to say, as an avid podcast listener, I'm always on the lookout for a good listen. Rob and Katie, you all strike the perfect balance between straight episode wrap up and thoughtful discussion couched in a very entertaining package. You don't bash the show's flaws or artificially gush over the show's highlights, but you explore them with honesty, much like the intrepid explorers aboard our favorite space vessel as you invite us to join you in the journey. Thank you a thousand times over for giving your fellow fans a reason each week to revisit this amazing show. Keep up the great work, and I look forward to sharing the journey of season three with you both. I'm excited for when we can dive into season three. I know it's like in the future, but I'm really excited, and it makes me happy that people are finding the podcast and enjoying you and I chatting about it. Yeah. And I do feel like we're a nice little companion. I appreciate that others are adding us onto their Orville rewatching. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty cool that you can watch an episode and then like fire up one of our episodes on your way to work or hanging out at home, whatever you're doing, and just kind of enjoy a little bit of discussion about something that you just watched. Yeah. Extend the experience. If you would like us to read one of your reviews on an upcoming episode, all you need to do is go to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star rating, and write a review below. If you'd like to email us, you can send an email to quantumdrive at thegeekgeneration.com. You can follow us on Twitter at quantumdrivepod. You can join the Discord server at thegeekgeneration.com slash Discord to talk about the podcast and the show. And if you'd like access to Mark's alternate one-sentence reviews, you can support the show on Patreon at thegeekgeneration.com slash support. Before we get into the episode, Katie has trivia. I do. I have a little bit of trivia for this episode. The first one is the title of this episode, Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow, actually comes from the opening monologue of Shakespeare's Macbeth. I'm not super familiar with Shakespeare, so... (laughs) I read a lot of Shakespeare in college, actually, Mm -hmm. and actually in high school as well. And so Macbeth is... I never know if it's Macbeth or Macbeth. Like, I don't know. Macbeth? Okay. I I really enjoyed that play, actually. So I think it's kind of... I always think it's interesting where they pull the titles for the episodes. Yeah. So it's kind of neat to have, like, it fits this, but it also ties to some literary history. We all know that Kelly loves Journey. The band. Mm-hmm. And you can see in her apartment that was supposedly seven years in the past, the picture hanging on the wall is the album cover of Escape by Journey. Long standing fan. Mm hmm. She really loves Journey. So <laughs> I did like the continuity of that. It's like a callback and it's like a little Easter egg in the background. So if you rewatch the episode, keep your eyes peeled for that. So Adrian Pilecki, who plays. Kelly Grayson said that this episode was one of her favorites of season two and quote, because it was such a challenge. Yeah, I can definitely see how this would uh, be more challenging Mm -hmm. just to play against yourself more or less and having to play both roles, then switching costumes and sides and playing the other side of a conversation you already played. There's no doubt that's very challenging. It was really cool. So in the scenes, like you were just saying, She had to play like opposite of herself, but Mm -hmm. they had a body double for some of these scenes for the quote other Kelly 
So um, she, Adrian Pilecki requested that she had a body double to help with that. Mm-hmm. And they enlisted an actress by the name of Michelle Boyd, who also played a character on the show, Lieutenant Dorset, in the episode Nothing Left on Earth Excepting Fishes. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was cool that she was like, hey, that actress did an amazing job. Bring her in to do this part for me. And so apparently after they finished filming, Pilecki wrote her a personalized thank you card, which you can find on Michelle Boyd's Instagram. If you're curious, and you want to dig and find that. Yeah. And we had talked about Michelle a little bit when she came up as Lieutenant Dorset. She was the one that was in the mess hall that Gordon was kind of hitting on when he was taking mm-hmm. his command tests and everything. So we had brought her up at the time then as a guest star. And yeah, she comes back as the body double here, which is cool. That is cool. There was a line added to this episode, and it was a line that when you watch the episode feels very heavy. So the episode was written by Janet Lynn, and apparently when young Kelly says, you've made my future a disappointment, that was an added line from Seth MacFarlane. Oh, wow. Yeah, -hmm. that's a heavy line. That one made me feel things when when she said it. (laughs) That's a good ad. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So this episode... Some people say reference a Star Trek The Next Generation episode from season six, episode 24, if you want to look it up. It's called Second Chances, and it's when Riker returns to the site of an eight-year-old mission to retrieve some important data mm-hmm. and is unnerved to encounter a duplicate version of himself, which was created by a transporter mishap. Yeah, Thomas William Riker. Oh, It's similar in the way that he would have had to act against himself. Mm-hmm. In a lot of stuff in there, the biggest difference with that one being that it wasn't a time travel thing. It was more of a person being split at a point in time into two separate people. That's just a crazy thing in general. And then also this in the Orville when it happens is just once in a million, not even a million, once in a lifetime kind of crazy things happening. And yeah, I can see the little bit of mirroring from that episode in this, but that it could also just be a coincidence. It could. Yeah. So that's all of the trivia and facts. And there were no guest stars this episode besides the wonderful cast that's already a part of the show. Okay. Currently off duty, Ed, Kelly, Gordon, and Tala are sitting in the mess hall telling stories from their past. After Gordon and Tala turn in for the night, Ed and Kelly reminisce about their first date. Ed reminds her that he's still willing to try again, but Kelly reiterates that a captain and first officer shouldn't be in a relationship with one another. It makes sense. It is a big thing when you're in command of a ship and you're dealing with heavy things like you've brought up in the past, sending your betrothed away on a a mission that's dangerous or a suicide mission is going to become more complicated if you're in love with that person. Well, I mean, but the thing is, he's already in love with her. Yeah. So does it actually change things? I guess it would more than anything change their dynamic because Kelly does make a good point in that they've set themselves up as a good team yeah and they are very good friends right now and then reintroducing that could totally shift the dynamic what if they get in a fight and then it's a whole thing but we kind of see a little bit of that in this episode anyway yeah there's always more layers to it than just this black and white like well if we date it's gonna make things more complicated because it already is fairly complicated for sure in a science lab lamar is admiring isaac's work on aronov's quantum accelerator Isaac tells John that his work could eventually lead to their ability to time travel. Kelly enters to inform Lamar that it's time for his monthly Dysonium field analysis. As John leaves, the ship is struck by a massive gravitational wave resulting from an unknown natural phenomena. Kelly leaves to assist on the bridge, but before Isaac can depart for engineering, he hears Kelly's voice behind him. When he turns around, he sees another Kelly with different hair and clothing who is confused about where she is. I think having Isaac as part of this scene was really well done, because if you think about a humanoid character being there, they'd probably freak out a little bit more. Mm. Or I don't know. I just thought that it was a logical approach to kind of explaining something happened and it's different. And I don't know what it is, but we have two Kellys now. Yeah. And it was interesting too her her reaction, because. When the camera pans over to her, she's looking right at Isaac mm-hmm. and then she stops and looks around where I would think she would do things in kind of the reverse order. Like if I yeah. ended up somewhere, I would look around or I just wouldn't stop looking at Isaac because that's something she has probably never seen before. I feel like a Kalon at that point, if she's from seven years in the past, is mm-hmm. not really like a I, I would be shocked if there was a Kalon in front of me. Yeah, like she's seen a Union ship before. So that's not mm-hmm. new. But a Kalon is very new. 
I don't know how she kept her cool. I'd be kind of, I know I wouldn't be as cool, calm, and collected as she was. <laughs> I, uh, I also like that they're using something that's already been established for the time travel. Like, we've seen the Aronov device on more than one occasion at this point. So mm-hmm. they didn't have to go through the hassle of introducing something new just to make the story work. I like that they've kept that throughout the series, mm-hmm. that it's just it's kept coming back. And because that was episode one. Yeah. That we were introduced to that. And so I think it's neat that it um, not that even it's a callback. They're just utilizing it to study and create and do new things. And I, I, I appreciate that continuity. Yeah. Something in the canon we're already familiar with. Mm-hmm. Saves time. Isaac questions this new Kelly, thinking she's the same one who exited just moments ago. He calls the bridge to discover that Commander Grayson is there as well, then informs Tala that they must have an intruder. I mean, it makes sense. Like I was saying, it's like he logically broke it down going, yep, no, you're not who you say you are. And they've had some weird things happen on this ship. So a few. just a few. So, I mean, I think it's a it's a good assumption to make that maybe she's not to be trusted. Mm. It was a little strange to me, though, that Isaac couldn't necessarily theorize what had happened here based on the research that he was doing. Yeah, I guess that's true. But also there was a krill on the ship that looked like a human woman at one point. So also true. (laughs) Uh, And then this is super nitpicky. But when Isaac calls the bridge, Kelly hits a button on the console to respond to him. Mm hmm. I never noticed that before. I'm not sure if there was an instance where someone called from somewhere off the bridge to the bridge, but I would think once that channel is open, that channel is just open and you can respond to it because someone who's not on the bridge always just responds. I can't remember in the past if I have seen Ed hit a button. I think he has. I think I've seen like a wrist button push here and there, but not always. It's kind of inconsistent, but I mean, TNG's communicators were super inconsistent, so who knows? Maybe because of that room specifically, she had to hit a button that maybe opened the channel to reply because they do science in there and maybe it would disrupt the science. Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Dr. Finn examines the new Kelly in sickbay and says that her DNA is an exact match for their Grayson, except she appears to be about seven years younger. Just then, Mercer and Grayson enter, leading to shocked looks between the two Kellys. Again, how do they handle that so cool, calm and collected? That has to be so trippy. I can't imagine, like, if you walked into a room and there was a you just sitting there, like, I mean, it would probably be the most surreal feeling. Mm-hmm. And, like, this isn't real. I'm dreaming. I wonder how much you would recognize yourself because we always see ourselves from a certain way. We don't see other angles and stuff. And I don't know if I would necessarily make the connection. I might be like, that person looks like me. Yeah. But I don't know if I would be like, that person looks exactly like me. I bet seeing yourself from a different perspective, too. Like, we see ourselves in mirrors. Right. Like, we don't ever see ourselves true. I mean, pictures, I guess, but still, like, in a way, it's distorted. Yeah. No. So, seeing yourself in person probably would be like, is that me? Yeah. I feel like there would be a little of that. And I think that's why Mm -hmm. they kind of circle each other. Yeah. Just to kind of assess the whole situation. And yeah, it's really interesting. Man. I hope that never happens to me. I don't know how I don't know how I would respond. In the briefing room, Isaac and John present their theory that the gravitational wave amplified the temporal field generated by the Aronov device and brought past Kelly into their present. The point in time that past Kelly was pulled from was the result of Grayson's proximity to the device, along with her thinking about her first date with Ed. For past Kelly, that date happened the previous night. I know there's a, like a lot of things we're going to talk about later, mm-hmm. but Ed also would have to look older. Like he would look different than he did seven years ago. True. So I'm sure there'd be like, oh, yeah, you're Ed. Obviously, you're Ed. But there would be differences that I think that would make it a little bit like, yeah, it was last night, but it was different. Well, yeah, I think I think she's not seeing Ed and just being like, oh, that's the same Ed. Yeah. I think that comes in later where she's like, well, it's still Ed, even if it's not my Ed. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, we'll get there. (laughs) But I I just appreciate that everything here, uh, explanation wise, kind of fits sci-fi logic where, again, Mm -hmm. all the boxes were checked. I didn't question everything. I was just like, okay, cool. Makes sense. Yeah, I I always appreciate that because my mind will start going, but what if? And then they answer it. And I'm like, okay, I'm good. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like they covered a lot of their bases here. Mm -hmm. 
In Ed's office, he and Kelly discuss whether or not past Kelly should be informed about anything happening in her future. They ultimately decide to tell her about their marriage and the affair that led to their divorce. When she seems to be confused, Kelly says that she'll grant her access to her personal logs to get caught up. What do you think about that? I was going to ask you the same question because I understand them telling her about the marriage and the divorce because it's going to come up whether they tell them or not. Mm -hmm. Someone else in the crew is going to bring it up just kind of out of nowhere. I feel like having access to the personal logs would be incredibly overwhelming. When she said that, I'm like, I would open it up and feel like I'd be reading someone else's life, which you would be. Mm -hmm. But it would almost it would be overwhelming and it would be almost like you don't have the control to change it. Like, is this already set in stone? Like, I don't think it it wouldn't be comforting or like, yeah, let's go over my entire life from the last seven years. Digest that. It's going to be easy. It's already hard enough that you're in another time and thrown Mm -hmm. out of this. Like, don't dump all that on her, too. That's just way too much. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I would have done things differently, but maybe there's a way to concisely scroll through your seven years of life. Maybe. Oh, What's the TLDR on that personal log from I seven know. years? Also, there'd be a lot of like, probably, if it, if it was like journaling, I'm assuming a lot of it was probably personal journaling kind of thing. Probably. Bad-mouthing Ed in that. Oh, possibly. But maybe not. Maybe she's classy and she doesn't do that. Maybe. <laughs> The other thing I thought was interesting is it does seem that they both are in full agreement that the affair with Terulio was the result of him being in heat. We had kind of a question after that episode as to where they stood on it. Mm-hmm. And that's where they seem to have landed. That was always something I wonder if they would ever go back to. Mm-hmm. But it is nice to know, like, they've put that behind them. That's not it's no longer an issue. So it's something that even though it was just like kind of a throwaway line in some ways, it does mean a lot character wise when they both admit, well, we don't really know what happened with that. Yeah, it feels like that aspect of their relationship is kind of like, okay, that was what it was. It's nobody's fault. Let's sweep it under the rug and move on. Yeah, which means maybe some things might open in the future. Maybe. Mm hmm. On the bridge, the crew is debating the ramifications of past Kelly's presence in their timeline when Lamar and Isaac interrupt to provide an update. Because of the unknown variable presented by the gravitational wave, there appears to be no way to duplicate the event and therefore no way to send Kelly back to her past. I don't even know how you process that kind of information either. At that point, it's like you're competing with yourself for your life. And I mean, I just... I don't think anybody expects their life to go that way. And then you just kind of have to like, because there's things that we'll talk about in a little bit about when she figures out what she wants to do. Mm. She said she needs to think. And I, I know what I would have done. I feel like I know too. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably similar, but it's not Mm -hmm. the choice that is made in here. Nope. Pass Kelly is upset to hear the news. And despite encouragement from Ed and Grayson, she says she needs some time to think. Tala stops by her quarters to check in on her and reassures her that she can still accomplish her goals in this timeline. I mean, in a way, like I think at that point, you kind of feel like, am I getting the upper hand and help from others because of this special scenario? Mm -hmm. Also, would she have to change her name so that she was like somewhat like I'm Kelly Grayson one? Yeah, I don't know what would happen there necessarily, because like you said, there was that TNG episode that did it. They're both still technically william thomas Riker, Mm -hmm. but the duplicate ends up changing his name to thomas william Riker just to offset that and to create some sort of differentiation maybe that's just something that happens later on as she would remain in the universe but i just feel like there's just so much there that's like i would be crawling to get off that ship yeah uh kelly also says that there's no point in trying at something that her future self failed at yeah which is a really weird way to think about that because it completely dismisses things like circumstance and timing so like sometimes the reason a person might fail at something is due to the circumstances that are outside of themselves and she's in completely different circumstances in this timeline than her other self was when she made the same choices Mm -hmm. so like you can't compare the two at all they're completely separate you might be the same person But that's like one variable out of an infinite amount. Maybe it's like the politically correct thing to say, even though it might not be true. But I I think you're seven years in the future. You have seven years 
of technology that you didn't have the night before and you mm -hmm. have information you didn't have the night before either. So in a lot of ways, I think it's a little, yeah, it's inaccurate to say that you can just, you can do what I do, reach your dreams, go for your dreams. Yeah. Like, like, and I mean, not that that's a bad sentiment, but it's different. Yeah. Well, like just because the Kelly from our present time didn't accomplish a certain thing or didn't do a certain thing, that is not a limit on you. No. Like you could make different choices and do different things and you're a different person technically at this point. And I, I do feel like in a lot of ways you feel like you're competing with yourself. Yeah. But I think that only lasts so long until you see the full picture. True. But at that moment, I'd be like, I'm competing with myself. Possible. I have to do better. In the mess hall, Lieutenant Grayson is telling Tala, Gordon, and John an embarrassing story from her time at Union Point. Commander Grayson overhears and pulls her aside, asking her to not share those kinds of stories because her crew might lose respect for her. The commander understands that's a tough ask, but a benefit of having the same hopes and fears is that they both have the ultimate confidant. Past Kelly asks if things are really over with Ed, and present Kelly assures her that they've both moved on. When asked what she might want to do next, Lieutenant Grayson says she might request a posting on the Orville. What? Is that how I felt when she said that? Same. Honestly, because your life is so intertwined at that point, go. Go start a life somewhere else. Start over. Though I could see how she might feel like, I have feelings for Ed. I want to see where that goes because she's not over it. That's new for her. So it could be like ulterior motives a little bit in that regard. But I don't really feel like they're the ultimate confidant. Like in a ways, I wouldn't trust myself. If I just met myself, you know, <laughs> like I feel like and like she's going around telling stories about when she was in school and mm -hmm. she's needing that kind of barrier. And if she stayed on the Orville, that barrier would be blurred. Yeah. Also, Kelly should have been like, no, you can tell she doesn't want her to stay on the Orville. Just say, like, I don't think that's a good idea, but she doesn't. Yeah, so there's a few weird things going on here. So I have the same feeling where if if there were two of me, I would want to distance myself from my other me so that I could have my own unique life without having to worry or constantly be reminded about the other me. So, yeah, mm -hmm. distance would absolutely be a thing that I wanted. I can understand past Kelly wanting to stay here. Because this is all still very new. She's out of time. And this is the place she's currently comfortable. She feels like she's made a friend in Tala already. At least she knows her other self. Mm -hmm. So that's probably like the temporary solution. I don't think she would long term be happy there by any means. And I kind of understand Commander Grayson accepting it just in being like, well, I'm going to do myself a favor. Like, I don't necessarily want this. But I'm not going to say no to me. Yeah. I'm going to let her do whatever she wants right now. She already has it hard enough. Yeah, but there's also, from a professional perspective, probably not a good idea for her to stay on the ship. Oh, I agree. It's definitely not a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, maybe maybe Kelly's kind of a people pleaser in a lot of ways. And she's trying to be like, yeah, I can't say no to me. Like She's at least a Kelly pleaser. <laughs> yeah, she's a Kelly pleaser. And so, I mean, I think it would be weird to have someone there who's like, you know my secrets. Mm. They could blackmail you if they want. Like you have. But they'd be blackmailing themselves, too. <laughs> I know. I don't know. There's a lot of ways it could go. Luckily, it didn't go any of those ways. It's very true. Ed and Gordon are playing a video game in his quarters when past Kelly stops by. She tells Ed that for her, their first date was last night, and she had a really great time, so she'd like to try for a second date. Ed stops by President Kelly's office to ask her how she'd feel about him dating past Kelly. She's not too keen on the idea and says she can't stop him, but warns Ed that they're both different people now than they were then. I mean, I'm a little surprised that Ed's entertaining this idea. I get it. Like, I don't blame Ed for being curious in wanting to explore something that humans have theorized about for so long. Like, what if I could go back and fix things? But he's also not considering that that's not actually going back and fixing things. Yeah, I guess part of it, though, that I think about is he has seven years of knowledge that he didn't have prior about her. Right. Which is exactly why he's like, oh, this is the perfect opportunity. This is what everybody Ugh. wonders. Like, if I had known then what I know now, what would I have done differently? And that's what he sees this as. It just seems kind of like an immature way to look at it. It is. Because <laughs> I know for me, if I was like, all right, I can start over. But 
there's just like a, a morality thing too about it. Like it sure. is kind of like it is you, but it's not you. Mm-hmm. And I know like eventually at the end, they kind of arrive at that. But I don't I see that from the get go. And maybe it's because Ed is very much still in love with Kelly. And he's like, if I can't have the original, I'm going to go for the one that still wants me. He's a little blinded by that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I also think he puts Kelly in a super unfair situation here by even asking her if it's okay, And then just being like, well, if you don't say you're into it, I'm just going to go do this other thing. It's there's no option of. If you're not into it and you don't want me to pursue this, then I just won't mm. do anything. That wasn't an option put on the table. It is a really awkward situation for, for Kelly to just kind of like it does seem like she's being a people pleaser in a lot of ways, because I can tell like being a self-proclaimed people pleaser, mm-hmm. her giving concessions to people because she feels like she has to, even though it's going to affect her negatively emotionally mm-hmm. and professionally, maybe as well. Yeah. Ed and Kelly go for a date at Muska's, and as Ed had previously said was true of past Kelly, she encourages far too much drinking. The two drunkenly stumble through the corridor toward their quarters and share a goodnight kiss. It just feels weird to me because it's young Kelly. Yeah, it is. Well, it is weird. Yeah. So for me, like Ed's like, yeah, slam dunk kind of thing. But it, it it does feel like from my perspective, because we've watched the show and grown to love. I don't want to say old Kelly because she made a joke about that right. in the show present itself. Kelly or Commander present Kelly. Kelly. <laughs> Commander, Commander Grayson is that I feel like it is weird to see Ed kind of just go. Yeah, well, if I can't have that one, I'm just going to go over here to the young one. Like is also that yeah. to seven year old younger Kelly. Yeah. On a side note, because we always comment on it, mm-hmm. future fashion's not so bad here. No, but I will say, the men's is not as nice as the ladies. It's very true. His is very, like, one color, uninteresting. Yeah, it's, but it, it's not the worst I've seen. It's not, no. By no. far, it's not the worst. <laughs> the next morning, Grayson visits past Kelly to tell her that she doesn't think pursuing Ed is a good idea because she's seen how much they were both hurt when it ended. They both get upset, leading to past Kelly saying that the commander has made her life a disappointment. The levity of that is just so soul crushing to hear that. Like if if my past self said that to me, I would probably spiral into a deep depression because you never aim to disappoint yourself or anybody. No. And to have somebody say that, that's probably one of the most hurtful things someone could probably say to you. At least to me. Yeah, that that would be very crushing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Past me would be like, why are you not Batman yet? That's so that's. <laughs> See, you have a. Yeah. <laughs> but you could be like, that's not, you know, fully attainable. Here's why. I'm a little more realistic about things these days. Yeah. It's tough to walk away from something like that. It but is. she does. And then she just kind of has to mull it over in her head and take stock of, am I a disappointment? Yeah, because, again, there's no guarantee that things will turn out the same way. They are technically different people. There's also no proof that things with Ed will or won't work out because circumstances are different now. There's no guarantee that they're both going to end up hurt. Yeah, that is true. I mean, Kelly's meddling, but it's mostly because she should have said no in the first place. Exactly. It would make me uncomfortable, too. Yeah. <laughs> like, really bit. uncomfortable. On the bridge, scans detect two Kalon ships heading in their direction. They quickly change course and go to Quantum to avoid being detected. Soon after, in the mess hall, Ed is telling Gordon how he thinks he might be able to get things right with Kelly this time. Gordon says that he, too, thinks it's a bad idea because he saw what the divorce did to him. Just then, past Kelly approaches and invites them to the simulator to visit one of her favorite spots on Earth. Now in a nightclub in the simulator, past Kelly and Tala are dancing while Ed and Gordon sit down with their drinks, seemingly annoyed by the entire situation. Bordis and Clyden, however, are fully embracing the music with some moves of their own. Probably one of my favorite moments from the entire series um, in this scene. One of the things that's interesting about Gordon, though, mm-hmm. With the lasting impression episode being in then this episode. Things have kind of flipped. Yeah. 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 And he's trying to be the, the voice reason like, hey, like this isn't don't do this. You're going to get hurt. And that's exactly what everybody was telling him in the lasting impressions episode. It is 
very funny because you don't expect it to change into a nightclub. <laughs> but it's a really good example of the difference in their age and what they both want and want to do in their lives. Mm -hmm. And even now, I mean, I'm I'm older than my early 20s. I wouldn't want to hang out in a club. No, hell no. <laughs> that sounds like an awful time. I know there's like sometimes you have experiences, but I was just like, yeah, I can I can relate to Gordon and Ed's quandary. Yeah. But I loved Bordis and Clyden's dancing and their enjoyment of this this nightclub was the best thing. It was great. Ever. It also references back to when we heard Lokar talk about Mocklin dancing and he said that it's much less restrained. Well, there you go. Mm-hmm. Everything was just perfectly done mm -hmm. in this scene because like, up to the yelling at each other and not being able to understand. The bathroom's over there. <laughs> yeah, the bathroom's over there. But it's like, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's it's it, it was a really well done scene that made the point of they're not right for each other, but also had a lot of fun comedic mm -hmm. pieces to it. Kelly is sitting down with Claire over drinks to discuss the situation with her younger self. Claire assures her that she's done great things and is a good friend. Even if she hasn't met the goals she used to have, she should take the time to reassess and think about the goals she currently has because they may have changed. The doctor concludes by asking her what it is she really wants. I thought that was a nice scene. As I've grown up, I've realized that stuff does change. Mm -hmm. You can't always just be like, oh, what I wanted at 21 is what I want now because there is a little sense. Of not a little bit. There's a lot of things out of your control and there's a lot of things that just don't work out. Mm -hmm. And it sucks because I think all of us would love to be what we wanted to be when we were seven. Maybe we would. Yeah. And maybe we would we hate it. Yeah. Maybe as we got older, we discovered things we were unaware of and our goals did change. I think this mm -hmm. scene successfully allows Commander Grayson to be like, well, I'm not a disappointment. My goals just changed. Yeah. I think that's completely fair because I look back now and I'm like, man, I wish I could have done some things differently, but I think we all wish we could have done things differently. Oh, sure. But we also have more information now that might go, hey, this this wouldn't have worked anyway. Mm -hmm. This wouldn't have been something that I would have wanted. Yeah. And so it is a little unfair that past Kelly dumped that on her. It is. But she's going based on her goals then versus seven years of past and life. And it's kind of unfair to make that judgment on somebody. Yeah. I also, too, wonder if the question asked by Dr. Finn of what it is you really want, and you see that kind of knowing, inquisitive look on Kelly's face afterwards. Mm -hmm. I wonder if that is the door opening to where Kelly now reconsiders getting back together with Ed. Yeah, I think that that would be a good moment where you reflect on if your goals have changed. Mm -hmm. Would you want to allow yourself then to go back down that path but it gets it gets messy when he's dating your younger it self. does it does but i think i don't think she's thinking about that at the very moment i think she's just thinking about the fact that ed has been like i'm still in, and i think she's just like it's not a good idea for a captain and a first officer to date but maybe we could make it work i think she's just kind of mulling that over a little more than she's ever written it off yeah and i think that it if anything past kelly's saying You've been a huge disappointment to me mm -hmm. and your whole life would make you take stock and go, OK, what am I willing to make concessions on that I've been too much of a stickler about? Sure. And Ed might be one of those. Yeah. Though I do agree. Being a captain and a first officer, probably not a good idea for you guys to date. <laughs> Still agree. Yeah. And I feel like the union would probably separate them. It's likely. Oh, or one of them would have to step down. Or that. Yeah. We don't even know what the policies are that are in place. No. Ed and Pass Kelly lie down in his bed and begin kissing, but Ed stops it from going further, saying that it feels, quote, a little messed up. He continues by saying that he's felt all these things before for someone else, and the two of them grew and evolved together, and he still loves her. Before they can resolve anything, Bordis calls from the bridge to say that the Kalon ships are back and will arrive soon. It is a little messed up. Yeah, it just took a long time <laughs> to figure it out. Yeah, and like she shows up in her little nighty, and he, he's like, "Oh yeah, from our first anniversary." Mm -hmm. Like, ugh, it just feels wrong. Even when they're like making out in the bed, I felt really uncomfortable. Yeah, and I think that is a huge kudos to the show because it made me feel like they were different people. Yeah, and so I definitely was like, "Thank you, Ed. Thank you for realizing that this is." Probably not the right path to go down. And I, I would feel like Pascal would have to realize that as well at some point, that mm -hmm. 
it's not going to work. There's too much history with other Kelly. I wouldn't want to play second fiddle. No. I wouldn't want to be second experiences because there was a point in that scene where he says, oh, it's even better the second time. Yeah. And she said, nice save, Mercer. And in my head, I'm like, that's not a nice save. You just said it's better the second time and you're about to have sex. (laughs) I'm sorry. It just, for me, I I didn't feel like it was a good save. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's just me and I'm... No, I kind of agree. I kind of agree. And I feel like where they ended up here was more or less inevitable. Like you were saying, like one of them was going to figure it out eventually. Mm -hmm. And they're just... They're not the same people that Ed and present Kelly are like they grew together and evolved together Mm -hmm. and past Kelly just is not at that same point. So she is very much a separate person. Yeah, I feel like in that scene specifically, I wouldn't feel like it was new and fresh, especially if he's saying it's better the second time. I remember you wearing that like, I'm sorry, it doesn't feel like, oh, man, we're having this first once in a lifetime experience together mm-hmm. it's like watching a, a tape over again yeah and that's why i'm glad ed went mm, no but i don't know how she didn't feel that i think she would have eventually i think she's just as blinded she's not connecting that the set is separate than yeah. the ed she just went on a date with not as much as he's making the connection now yeah i agree and i think maybe because she's younger and it's that whole i'm blind and in love kind of thing yeah it's uh, a little easier to look past red flags than, say, Ed, who's been through some stuff with yeah. Kelly. So, <laughs> <laughs> With seven minutes until the Kalon intercept, the senior staff arrives on the bridge. Past Kelly suggests that they head to the nearby planet Vendek 2 to hide in its icy rings. They can jettison water from the Orville and create a layer of ice around the hull to blend in, then power down until the Kalon pass them. They carry out the plan, which works without a hitch. It was kind of weird how she just had this, like, solution. It was a little bit, but I feel like it was a good way for the episode to give her something to do and be the problem solver, Mm -hmm. especially after she's kind of ticked off present Kelly. They need to make amends a little bit. Yeah. And it does show, like, the past memories being in sync as being a thing that is still happening. Like, they are reminding us that, yes, you two have the same memories, even if... One of you is thinking of a thing right now that the other one isn't. and Yeah. In a way, it gave her some purpose yeah. in this new this new frontier. It was. I thought the space porn was great. Yep. And I thought the... Okay. So there was like the ice things mm-hmm. or the... What would that be for? The ice chunks? No. Okay. So there's the part where the ice... Oh, gosh. Oh, comes shooting right. out of the Orville like those jets? Yeah. Yeah. The jets. What would that be for? Maybe an emergency evacuation of something like let's say there was a toxic gas or a toxic chemical that was aboard the mm-hmm. ship and they had to get rid of it immediately. Maybe it's something like that. I'm headcanoning like crazy right yeah. now. But because I was I was sitting there and I'm like, oh, maybe it's like an airplane where they have some of that def- defrost stuff in it so that it doesn't freeze right away. And like I because I, I was doing all this stuff because I'm like, why would they have that? I feel like it's just glorified exhaust ports, honestly. Yeah, I thought that was a really well done scene. I thought it looked really good. Mm-hmm. And that was also it was intense with the Kalon coming back now. Mm-hmm. I think this is our first Kalon ships for patrol in the universe and looking to pretty much destroy whatever they come across. So I, I do think in general, it was nice to show, I guess, past Kelly having a little bit of a win. Yeah especially after getting dumped by Ed yeah. in the prior scene. It does make sense to me, too, that everyone shows up in their pajamas. No time to change in an emergency. Just mm-hmm. boom. It's a nice touch. Yeah, it is, because it's very much realistic to how a situation would happen. Yeah. Lieutenant Grayson steps into Commander Grayson's office to offer her an apology. She explains that until she stepped on the bridge, she didn't understand the gravity of what her future self must deal with every day. Just then, Lamar and Isaac enter with news of a breakthrough. They've thought of a way to possibly send past Kelly back to her own time. It's kind of a turn you don't expect mm-hmm. in the episode. You're like, she's going to be here forever. And in my head, I'm like, are they just going to send her away? <laughs> like, She sometimes shows back up and past Kelly's arrived. But it, I feel like I would have taken the opportunity to go back if I could have. Oh, sure. Yeah. It sounds very dangerous, though. Yeah. There are some things that we'll talk about in just a moment that are. Mm-hmm. But I. We'll talk about it. (laughs) Yeah. 
John explains that by teching the tech, they can focus a wave into the Aronov device, but it's going to take a massive amount of energy that will put a strain on the ship. Pascal is worried that her knowledge of the future will cause problems, so Dr. Finn suggests a memory wipe. It's risky, so she'd have to volunteer. Lieutenant Grayson smiles, explaining that not only will it work, but she'll make it home just fine. That's why Commander Grayson doesn't remember any of these events occurring. I even have moments where when she was saying that, I'm like, I don't know. Yeah? Yeah, I was like, I don't know about that. Just because I, I felt like... I don't know. It just I had I had an inkling that something wasn't quite right about it. Okay, but it is. I mean, it makes sense because you she doesn't remember. Yeah, for me, it was like the memory wipe ties up any of the time travel logic loose ends. Yeah, it does. I just for some reason felt like I don't know. I don't know why, but I just kind of felt like off about it because I'm like doing the memory because they, they I think it's because they explain so much like the memory wipe is super dangerous and we need a lot of power to like mm-hmm. it just all seems very risky. And I'm like, I don't know, because I'd like to think that things did work out that way. And that's why Kelly doesn't remember. But for some reason, I just feel like maybe I don't know, maybe I it's because I have the forethought now maybe. that but I do think like in a way it leaves a little bit of doubt. At least for me, it did. Mm. See, when I first watched it, I didn't get that doubt at all because I'm so used to a Star Trek episode kind of wrapping up all of its things at the end of an episode. Mm-hmm. So it was definitely what ends up happening definitely was abnormal for me and what I was expecting. I did find it yeah. interesting too that uh, in their explanation of the solution, it involves reversing the polarity, which is like, one of the most overused techie explanations in sci-fi. So I just love that they included that. But that's all you have to do, just Rob. You just have to reverse. <laughs> yeah, and then everything's solved and everything's okay again. Yep, that's how it works. In the science lab, they prepare to activate the Aronov device. Past Kelly asks Tala to meet her for a drink seven years from tonight, and present Kelly agrees. Ed takes a moment to apologize to Pass Kelly for the absence and neglect that will occur throughout the next five years of her life. But in essence, he's really apologizing to present Kelly. Dr. Finn administers a sedative and performs the memory wipe. It's all so stressful. It is. Oh, like, and I, that's why I think, too, I'm like, there's something's not going to go right. Like, I just felt like the memory wipe thing is interesting, too, the way that they did all of that mm-hmm. and just... The amount they had to push the engines to get the... It just all was very, like, sketchy to me. Yeah, I think part of the reason that they made it so crazy for the engines to go nuts and everything is they don't want this to be easy or else it leaves it open as a possibility for them to do more frequently. If it's this hard to do, then it kind of writes it out from future stories as like, oh, we can just time travel and fix this because they've already seen how dangerous it can be. No, I like that. That is a good way to prove like this is really dangerous. You don't want to be doing this every week. And so that that makes a lot more sense to me now. Thank you for headcanoning that for me. Happy to. Lamar initiates the quantum field and pushes it to the limit. Isaac reports that the graviton level is insufficient, so they're forced to push the field even further, but can only sustain it for a few seconds. It seems to have been enough, though, as Pascali wakes up on the floor back in her own time. She immediately gets a call from Ed, who says he had a great time last night and would like to take her out again. Kelly responds by saying that she just doesn't see them working out and hangs up. They did a good job when she wakes up. And you're like, does she remember? Does she not? And then she like wakes up in her kitchen. Granted, in my head, I was like, that would actually be a really good way to write off the fact that she had a really bad hangover, which Kelly mentions earlier in the episode. Mm -hmm. I'm like, it's probably because of the memory wipe. And so at this point, I was back in the, oh, everything's fine. The memory wipe worked. All of that. And I was like, she's just confused because she woke up on her kitchen floor. Right, right. And then when she answers the call and says, I don't think we're going to work out, I'm like, oh, it's just very much a shock and awe moment Mm. to end the episode. Yeah, the first time I watched this, I did not see that coming at all. I expected everything to come full circle and tie up in a nice bow like so many shows do. But this show, this is not the first time either that they've done this. They've been really good about subverting those kind of expectations that we have when we expect a certain thing to happen. Then they just go, oh, but no. Yeah. We're going to go in this other direction instead. So it makes it makes me very excited to see what is going to come next. 
Yeah, I'm excited for whatever they're going to do with this. Yeah. And I I want answers, darn it. <laughs> I want answers. <laughs> As do I. All right. What is your big takeaway from this episode? My big takeaway is, okay, there's a lot in this episode that is worth talking about. My big takeaway, I, I think that the concept is very intriguing mm-hmm. to entertain the idea of meeting your past self and how you would navigate any sort of situation like that. So seeing how Kelly interacts with her past self was really interesting because she was very, I would say she carried herself with a lot of grace and maturity. Mm-hmm. And they did a good job playing her playing past Kelly and future Kelly was really well done because I felt like past Kelly was very immature, had a little bit less focus and that. Future Kelly really did have it more together and a sense of maturity, which I think is really hard to do to portray both of that in one episode. I had read a thing, too, that Adrian Plicky actually changed her voice a little bit for playing Pascali. She was a little higher. Yeah. And then she changed her gait for walking around a little bit, too. And that probably helped to get into character a little bit more. And I think I even I, they did such a good job with making the character so different that you didn't really need the bangs, quote unquote, mm-hmm. to tell that she was different. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how I feel about that Ed dynamic thing. I think Ed had a little lapse in judgment and I'm just going to let that slide. And at least he arrived at the appropriate thing at the end. I will say one of my favorite moments from this series was born in this episode at the, the club with Bordis and Clyde and yeah. dancing. Overall, I really enjoyed the discussions that this episode specifically brought up. And I think the ending is what excited me the most Mm. about it, though. I want to know what comes next. And I want to see. I just have a lot of questions and I'm excited to hopefully get some answers. What was your takeaway? I like this episode a lot. I think it's done very, very well. Uh, I feel like. It's much more about exploring the concept of facing your past self than it is about the time travel aspect of it. Mm-hmm. I feel like the time travel just kind of serves as a method through which they can do that explanation. Yeah. So that was a good way to kind of handle things. I, it's also a good character building episode for Kelly, which is something I don't think we've gotten a lot of no. at this point. Yeah, I think this is probably one of the first times we've seen her as like a main focus. And like we learn a lot about her because it's her past yeah. and it's now yeah mad idolatry was focused on her but not because of who she is necessarily yeah there's no way it's an easy task to to portray both of the versions like we've said and she did such a fantastic job she did so that was super impressive uh it's interesting to see an episode where there's no real b plot no yeah that's true you could say that the Kalon ships kind of served as one yeah but that was like all of two scenes so i didn't really feel like it was a very significant plot if anything that was just kind of a reminder to let us know that the Kalon are still out there yeah and it gave kelly the win yeah that i think the confidence booster she needed to move into the future that she was now a part of yeah Ultimately, uh, this episode also reignites the will they, won't they question of Ed and Mm -hmm. Kelly's relationship, which has not come up a ton this season. No, I'm glad that it's not the sole focus of the show like it was early on. But at the same time, I do like the continuing thread of it. I think it's something that would naturally come back up, especially given how well they are getting along. Feelings like that. I mean, you're married to someone for that long. That's not just going to go away. So... When they start getting along, some of that's going to resurface. And I like that they're just not ignoring it. It's still a part of the show and a part of these characters. Mm -hmm. It's not like a typical drama or like I like to think a teen drama Mm -hmm. where it's like, I'm just going to ignore it. And we're just going to have these moody stare downs in the it's nice that it's like a discussion Mm -hmm. and they're open about it. And it's I, I, I think I've enjoyed the threads that they've weaved throughout season one and season two. And. I just think the show does a good job at weaving stories. And this has been another testament to that. And I know I never walk away from an episode going, oh, they said this and now I'm confused about this one thing or, oh, but in episode two, they said this. And now in episode 15, they're saying, like, I've really appreciated that they try really hard to make sure the story is fluid Mm -hmm. and it makes sense. And it makes sense on a whole. And with Ed and Kelly, the will they won't they yet to be seen. 
<laughs> yeah, I do appreciate also that they they've gone through so much work to make things consistent. They haven't really contradicted themselves mm-hmm. at any point. And yeah, these threads just kind of keep continuing. I love how they're able to both carry on these threads from episode to episode, but still give us episodic television. Yeah. So there's like some underlying things that we get from the characters. And yet each episode, for the most part, kind of stands alone. Yeah. I do like that. I do like when I watch a show, though, and it does have some things that tie back. But there are some shows that you watch and you have to have watched everything Mm -hmm. up until that point or you're just lost. And this one, I I feel like if you caught it on TV one night, you could get hooked into it and then start at the beginning. But in a way, it's kind of Family Guy-esque like that, where you can take them in chunks and not be completely lost. But yet there's still those threads that they've weaved through yep. i think it's kind of genius in a lot of ways yeah and for people that have watched the entire show that's something mm-hmm. that's for us yeah before we get out of here we have one more thing to do because katie's husband mark is a big fan of the orville as well and always leaves us with his one sentence review wow The actor who plays Commander Grayson looks just like the one they got to play Kelly. Quantum Drive is a production of the Geek Generation. If you like this show, be sure to check out our other podcasts on the Geek Generation Network at thegeekgeneration.com. If you'd like to support the show and get access to exclusive bonus podcasts along with other perks, you can visit our Patreon campaign at thegeekgeneration.com slash support. You can follow Quantum Drive on Twitter at Quantum Drive Pod and me at the Rob Logan. You can follow me on Twitter at Play Katie Play and on Twitch at Katie Peters Plays. And Katie is spelled K-A-T-I-E. Please rate the show and write a review on Apple Podcasts. If you do, we may read your review on an upcoming episode. Finally, questions and comments can be sent to quantumdrive at thegeekgeneration.com. We're out of here for now, but we'll see you soon in In the the future. future.